that. Well, it's so good to be here. Good morning, everyone. Uh, uh, so, yeah, good to be here with you guys to open the Bible up with you. And, yeah, as I'm here, it's such a privilege. And, yeah, I think it, it's, uh, yes, I am from AFES and you support me to do the work. But it's probably better to think of me as a person just, just like one of you guys, just being sent out to, yeah, to work in Newcastle. And what a privilege it is. And I feel so much at home when I come here. So, yeah, so thankful for the partnership we have here at Coast Bible Church. Uh, so yeah, I even have the privilege of coming in a few weeks to preach. So if it doesn't go well this week, give me another chance. That's okay. Anyways, well, today we're going to talk about someone who's considered great among the kings of Israel. Uh, but it's not a king, uh, particularly a king who's particularly well known. Maybe uh, your reflection today, I've never heard of King Asa, which is, which is great. And uh, I think most people I don't even know what he's famous for. But to get us thinking about uh, people who are great in history, let's do a little quiz. You didn't expect this. So let's have a quiz. Uh, let's see if this works. Uh, so it just vibrated. So that means it's working. Oh, or do I need to? Oh, here we go. Great. Okay, these are some famous people in history. Talk to the person next to you. Try and figure out what the, who are these people and what are they famous for. Okay. Okay, how are we going? Have we got them all? Who needs more time? More time's not going to help. Okay, Ross has called it. Okay, all right, let's have a go. So first, top left. This one should be easy. Who's on the top left? Albert Einstein. What's he famous for? What was that one? Theory of relativity. Theory of relativity, yep. So, uh, yeah, everyone yeah, will know he's famous for one formula, E equals MC squared. Actually, he did a lot more than that, but however, that's what he's remembered for um, in good ways and in bad ways, right? One, because, yeah, nuclear medicine is possible because of him. But on the other hand, uh, yeah, he, yes, he made a bomb. He, he contributed to a bomb being made which ended wars, which is... Uh, Depends on what, yeah, what you want to think about that. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so Isaac Newton, uh, so... It's the next one. Oh, sorry, I called it out. Did people get it right? Good. Okay. Well, it's hard because he kind of looks like everyone else from the 18th century or whatever. So, uh, so what is he famous for? Yeah, theory of gravity. So Isaac Newton was instrumental in the scientific revolution of the 17th century. So although some of his assumptions were eventually proven wrong, uh, his universal principle of gravity has no parallels in science or at the time. Okay, next one on the right. No idea? This one, I don't think you see as many pictures of him, so that's part of the problem. Uh, does anyone want to have a guess? No? No, no. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he'd love to act as this person. Okay, it's, uh, uh, this person is Nicholas Copernicus. So Polish mathematicians, he doesn't look like that in all photos, I have to say. Um, so he came up with the dis discovery of heliocentric model of the universe. That is, that the sun is the center of the universe, not the, uh, not the earth. So that was really important. So that's the next one. Oh, 
Uh, is someone doing these? Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, William, uh, who's the next one, sorry? Shakespeare, yep. So I, maybe the first name won't give it away, but the second name will. Shakespeare, um, what's he great for? <laughs> literature? <laughs> yeah, English literature. Uh, he's the greatest English writer and dramatist that has ever lived. So next is, uh, who is the next one? I won't spoil it, sorry. Marie Curie. What was um, she famous for? Radiation. Yep, excellent. So uh, Marie Curie uh, was a Polish also a physicist and chemist. Uh, uh, chemist, sorry. So she uh, she discovered radioactivity, a term she invented herself, uh, and so that was instrumental in development of X-rays and surgery. She was the first woman to ever win a Nobel Prize, first for uh, uh, physics, and then again a few years later in a different category, chemistry, which is amazing. Okay, well, that's a good job, everyone. So now we're going to do one last person, see if you can guess who this person is. Who can guess this person? So what, what was that? Yeah, Nikola Tesla. So, uh, yep, what's he famous for? And it's not the Tesla company. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yep, so, uh, yes, next person. I'll tell you a bit of a story about him. During, he was apparently born during a lightning storm in 1856. Not sure if that's true. Um, so uh, he went on to invent the Tesla coil and alternating current machinery. He estimated, uh, people estimate that he has an IQ of 160. Some people think that he's got an IQ of 310. I don't know how that's possible. Um, so, uh, yep, so by different measures. So he's a Serbian physicist uh, uh, and he actually died penniless in New York in a hotel called the New Yorker. And in fact, you can go and stay in the room where he passed away, if you wish. Maybe he'll rub on to you or something, I don't know. Uh, and you'll invent something. Well, uh, what do you think of these people, you know? They're pretty great, aren't they? Would you like to be remembered as one of these people? Well, unfortunately, even if you're extremely smart, like Nikola Tesla with an IQ of 310... Uh, people might not always remember you. Uh, some people in here probably didn't. And you might not even be very rich or successful when you died. Like I said, Nikola Tesla died in the New Yorker Hotel, penniless. Um, so, but something I'd like you to think about today uh, is this question. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered by those after you? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Do you want to be remembered as someone smart and successful, like these people? Or do you want to be remembered as someone who really trusted God? Well, today I'm going to show you that you want to be remembered as someone who trusted God above human wisdom. Because trusting God is superior to human wisdom. And I'm going to show you that. Uh, well, the Bible hopefully will show you that today. Trusting God is superior to excellent human wisdom. Well, how I'm going to show you that today is by telling you a story from the Bible, the story we read earlier. It's about someone who is exceptionally wise in his time. Maybe he doesn't stand out as much because we've read just one bit, but if you read two Chronicles, he really stands out among uh, lots of other people who didn't do so well, who were kings of Judah and Israel. Well, this is how the story in, uh, in two Chronicles goes. Let me retell the story. So, uh, uh, let's see... So he, this is the story of King Asa. Uh, so I'll 
show you a picture of, well, a picture of what he could have looked like. Uh, the king, uh, he was the king of the nation of Judah. So this is the southern kingdom, not the northern kingdom. This is the time where Israel had split into two. So during his reign, uh, the neighboring and sister country, Israel, was at war with him. In fact, Israel even attempted to block all traffic in and out of the country by stopping uh, all the traffic on the major road into that country. Thanks. They did this by uh, building a large army based in a place called Ramah. You'll see it on that map if you can, uh, if you can see that uh, well, which is next to the major road uh, in Judah. And in fact, it's inside of Judah's borders. So Israel had built a, a fort city there. So what that meant is that traders couldn't come in or out of Judah this meant that the country was effectively blockaded. This country couldn't uh, get supplies from other countries that, needed, uh, that it needed to run, uh, and no soldiers were able to get in or out of the country. Nobody was allowed to escape. So what were they going to do? Well, the king of Judah, King Asa, by the way, the great-grandson of King Solomon, took all the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the temple and out of the palace, his own palace, and he sent it to a bigger country, uh, which was on the other side of Israel's border, uh, which was uh, the kingdom of Aram, which is what it was known back then, or we might refer to it as ancient Syria. So he asked them for help. Uh, let's go. Yep, I think. Yep, ask him for help. And then he said uh, to King Aram, let there be a treaty between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. See, I'm sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so he will withdraw from me. Masterful, really. The king of Aram agreed with this, uh, with King Asa, and he sent the commanders of his forces against the towns of Israel. They conquered the towns of Ejon, Dan, Abelmayim, and all the store cities of Naphtali region of Israel. And when the king of Israel heard about this, well, he did what was wise. He stopped building Ramah, and he abandoned his work. So then King Asa brought all his men, uh, and he carried away uh, the stones used to build up Merama and the timber as well. And he, uh, yep, so with these, with these materials, he built his own fort cities called Geba and Mizpah. So he turned the tables effectively. But at the time, the messenger of God came, uh, called Hanani came to the king, king Asa and he said this. And I think this is a really, really important uh, passage in, in 2 Chronicles. In fact, I think it's the, the pinnacle of 2 Chronicles. Uh, and it's this. He said, Because you have relied on the king of Aram and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hands. Uh, we're, no, uh, we're, we're not the Cushites and the Libyans, a mighty army with uh, far greater numbers of chariots and horsemen. So this is what happened before. Yet, when you, when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hands. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing, and from now on, you will be at war with the countries surrounding you. God will no longer protect you. Uh, so you might notice this version is a bit different from number four. It's because of the NIV. So after hearing this, King Asa, well, you would have thought, oh, he would repent, you know, with his track record, he'd believe. But sadly, uh, this is where the tragedy comes in King Asa's life. He was angry, and he was, uh, you know, his heart, he, was, uh, he was hardened or he was in his own mind and he even uh, put this man to prison because he didn't like what he said. And at the same time, he started mistreating his subjects. Maybe what was happening was the king was upset or embarrassed that one of his own people would dare accuse him of being foolish. 
After all, he was the hero, wasn't he? He'd rescued his whole country, all his people, uh, from having no food and from invaders. Uh, and how dare his people criticize him? So he started mistreating his people uh, since they didn't even appreciate him. Well, three years later, King Asa's life was coming to an end, as we read about, and he developed a severe disease in his legs, probably something like gout or kidney disease. Uh, 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 so his disease was uh, really severe, but even so, it says that he didn't look to God for help, but sought the help only of his doctors and healers. Uh, then in the 31st, uh, sorry, 41st year of kings, uh, the King Asa's reign, he died. They buried him in the tomb that he'd cut out for himself in King David's city. They laid him on a platform covered with spices and various blends of perfumes. Then they made a huge fire in his honor. They buried him like one of the greatest kings. Now that was the story. Well, that's a pretty interesting story. I, I think it's my favorite story in True Chronicles. I hope that was interesting because that's why I picked it. And like I said, I think it has a really important role in this whole book uh, of one Chronicles and two Chronicles because it tells us what it's all about, or at least one of the major themes. Well, I think there's three important lessons we need to learn from this passage today. And uh, well, I'm going to tell you what they are. So, well, firstly, I think uh, it teaches us that excellent human wisdom is great. Excellent human wisdom is great, wonderful even. Uh, just have a look at how wise King Asser is. He's a great politician and diplomat, and he trusts the Lord, and he saw, uh, and, and he saw and recognized a serious threat to his country, a critical one, and he responded quickly and decisively, and he saved the people. He used all of his gold and silver to ask a favor of a greater king, uh, a more powerful king, whose father had an age-old alliance with him, and he, uh, he asked the king of Aram to break treaty with Israel and begin an all-out war with them. So the Israelites would retreat from Judah's borders and stop building uh, their military base there uh, so that free trade could happen again and that the country could operate as before. This is a really clever move because Aram was a much, had a much larger army than Israel. Uh, oh, sorry, I was going to do this. Uh, and much, uh, a much bigger threat to Israel than Judah ever could have been. So Asa knows if Aram is at war with Israel, then he'll immediately retreat to defend his borders from a larger threat on the other side of the border. Uh, he de uh, he'd defend himself against the Aram uh, Arameans, and, uh, and that's exactly what happened. His plan worked perfectly. The king of Aram invades Israel with a full-scale invasion, conquering many important towns, and Israel retreats uh, from Ramah and stops building there, and the blockade is lifted, and now people are able to get in and out of Judah freely, and King Asa even has the wisdom to take all their resources, all the stones and wood, so they can't build up the fort again, and he builds his own forts to secure his country against further Israelite invasions. It's masterful. It's genius. It's excellent. So excellent human wisdom, it's great, and it should be respected. Uh, and it's the same with the wisdom and intelligence uh, we, and ex excellence that we see in uh, people today, in what they do and what they're remembered for, including the people we talked about before. Uh, these people were great uh, in their time and they've made things that have improved human life uh, by and large. So great wisdom and intelligence has a result in humanity. It benefits uh, technologically and scientifically 
scientific advancement and literary contributions as well, and even the English language. So excellent human wisdom. It's undeniable. It's great. But unfortunately, in our story, we learn that human wisdom, well, it's actually not the only reality, is it? The second thing we learn from the story is that human wisdom is not the only reality. What I mean is that if you want to be truly wise and uh, don't only consider human wisdom, uh, you don't only consider human wisdom, but you also remember that to consider that God is watching what we do and He's in control. And like we learned in our story, God is looking to help people who trust in Him. That's what God is doing in the story. But unfortunately, King Asa does not trust God in the end. And uh, so he sends a messenger, Hanani, uh, and he said this to King Asa. He said, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from you, or escaped from your hand. So basically, what God says to King Asa is, Why did you rely on the king of Aram to help you uh, when you were in trouble? Why didn't you ask me, uh, your God, to help? I was going to help you defeat the king of Aram, but you won't be able to do that now because you trusted him instead of me. So God's point was that King Asa already had someone who was there to help him, uh, already someone who was more than capable to defend him against Israel. It was God. Uh, But for some reason, uh, King Asa, he'd forgotten about this. In fact, if you know 2 Chronicles, if you read two chapters earlier, the beginning of King Asa's story, which is really long, by the way, in, one, in 2 Kings, it's really short. There's not many, many, many details, but in 2 Chronicles, for some reason, there's lots of details. And uh, if, if you read that, in two chapters earlier, chapter 14, uh, you learn that in the past, King Asa was not like this. Uh, he couldn't have been more different than this, that we, the picture we see in 2 Chronicles 16. So Hanani, the prophet, even reminds King Asa about this uh, in chapter 16. He reminds him about uh, when he fought against both the Cushite and the Libyan armies uh, who were waging war against Judah, had a much bigger combined army than Judah at the time. In fact, probably the largest armies that could have been mustered at the time uh, by the superpower Cush or the ancient Ethiopian kingdom. And God helped them. God helped Judah, uh, who had a relatively less... uh, military force, and he defeated him. He defeated this great army. Uh, God helped him. Hanani reminded King Asa that back then, uh, King Asa had asked God for help. Uh, we learned about this in chapter 2, uh, 2 Chronicles, sorry, chapter 14, verse 11. I don't know if I have it on the slide. No, I don't. Well, it says this. It says, uh, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against. Uh, and in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. Couldn't be more different to how King Asa's acting in this story, though from uh, from first glance it doesn't sound so bad. So King Asa used to know that uh, that people were less powerful than God. In fact, he used to know that people were only powerful when God was helping them. But now, King Asa's forgotten about this. He's forgotten about God, and he no longer relied on him. Oh, it is there. Thanks. So now he relied on his own intelligence and strategy. He thought he'd outgrown God. Uh, Maybe King Asa felt like he didn't need God anymore. Uh, He had the ability to run his own country. He was wise all by himself. 
or maybe he just forgot. But God shows King Asa that he is an important part of reality. And in fact, he is the king of our reality. And to not realize that is not wise. Uh, what is next? Uh, yep, did that already? Okay, we'll, we'll wait for that one. So God, uh, God summarizes by saying to King Asa, uh, oh, this one. Yet for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Isn't this the truth? You know, this is what God is doing in all times, not just in Israel at the time. God is always doing this, even today. And God is basically saying to King Asa at the time, God is watching all people of the world, and he's watching out for anyone who might trust him to help people, uh, uh, help anyone who wants to know him and fully trust him. But now the king of Asa, uh, King Asa, sorry, no longer recognizes this, and God will no longer help him. And so God decides to show King Asa his place. God shows King Asa that human wisdom is not the only reality. God shows him that he is in heaven watching what we do, and that is the reality. And it is he who helps whoever he wishes to be successful, and to refuse to recognize this is foolish. Well, that's what the second thing. Uh, that's the second thing we learn from our story. Um, but lastly, uh, what do we learn? We learn that refusing to accept God as a reality will end badly for you. Refusing to accept God as a reality will end badly for you, even if you're really smart and successful in life. Well, sadly, as soon as King Asa's life comes to an end, what happens? Uh, things don't get any better for him. In the end, he refuses to accept that it's more important to rely on God than to rely on his own intelligence, and he develops that bad leg disease, gout or kidney disease. And even with this bad leg disease, we learn that he still stubbornly refuses to ask God for help. Instead, he only trusts his own doctors to help him. By the way, the story is not telling us not to go to doctors, but, uh, but it's teaching us that that's all he did. So he only trusts his own intelligence again. This shows that King Asa didn't change back to someone who trusted God with all of his heart. The story uh, doesn't have a nice ending, unfortunately, and it's really disappointing. So despite King Asa being taught a valuable lesson, he keeps stubbornly trusting only in himself and other people. In man. Remember what he said? Help mere, uh, don't, don't let mere mortals have victory over you, God. And then he, he flips, doesn't he? How tragic. Then in the next year, King Asa dies. But while you and me know that King Asa was no longer a great king, uh, the people who bury him, they see him very differently. Uh, they see him as an extraordinary man, don't they? We see this because when they are buried, uh, we buried him, King Asa is buried with a magnif in the magnificent tomb, cut out in the place of great kings, uh, the kings of Israel, that's where he's buried, and then laid... Uh, they laid him on a wooden platform, a beer, covered with all kinds of spices and perfumes, very expensive things in ancient times, and they made a huge fire in his honor. Now, this is the only time that I know of in two chronicles that they use the word huge, and I think that's very amusing. So they honor him like a great hero when he dies. Uh, well, that's, uh, well, it was right that they did this, uh, but was it completely right that they did this? Well, yes, of course it was right they did this because his wisdom was ex excellent and he did rescue Judah with his wisdom. 
in the Bible, we learn that wisdom is actually something God gives us as a gift and that, uh, and that we should celebrate it. In fact, we learn about this earlier in uh, the book, in 2 Chronicles uh, 1, 11, 12, where it talks about King Solomon, uh, the great-grandfather of King Asa. But as we honour someone for being wise, we need to not forget uh, that a man's great wisdom is only a small part of a bigger picture. God is in charge of the world, of our world, and has made the world in far greater wisdom than we possess. We might be intelligent, but if we don't recognize that God is in charge of the world and our universe, then we're foolish, according to the Bible. And we've missed the point of why we and our universe exist. God is our maker and he wants us to know and rely on him. Uh, That's why uh, all this that we see exists. Just ponder that for a moment. It's incredible that all of this exists, just that we might know him. So if we refuse to recognize God as a reality, yes, our lives might be good here, but the Bible also tells us that that we will one day have to face him. We'll one day have to face God, and he will judge us for what we do. And whether we trust God in, uh, in our lives in particular, as Christians, we believe that God has come to earth to reveal himself to, uh, to us in Jesus, his son, and to die for our sins. If we trust that God has done these things, God will allow us to live forever, comfortably in his eternal kingdom with him. But if we're found not to acknowledge and trust God in our lives, then we'll be tr- punished forever. Uh, we would have refused God, our King, of the one thing He requires of us, that we acknowledge Him and obey Him as our Creator. Well, how can we be wise after hearing this story? How can we be wise after hearing this story? Well, we should know that human wisdom is not all that there is. We need to recognize that God is in control of the world and He wants us to know and trust Him. We need to recognize that it's uh, superior to trust God than human wisdom. And we need to recognize that if we only trust in human wisdom or, or value other things over God, then it won't end well for us. Uh, in the Bible, we call this idolatry. Placing our hope and trust in something that's not God, placing the trust we're meant to place in God uh, in other things. Maybe human wisdom or the things uh, this, uh, in this world or whatever it is that you trust in is not, uh, that is not God will be good for you in the short term. Maybe it'll work out uh, right now. But what about the future? What about eternity? What about that reality? If that's a reality, which it is, you'll be foolish not to make plans for them. Well, how can we best prepare for what what happens after we die and face God, our maker? Well, I encourage you to discover or remind yourselves of who God is and whether he is the real reality uh, that you should pay attention to. Are you sure that human wisdom is all that there is? Because people surely tell us that, and we believe it. But I'd hate for any of you to miss out on something far greater if we're wrong. Don't do it to yourself. Make sure it isn't the position uh, of... uh, Make sure this isn't the position of people that you know. Trusting in God is superior to excellent human wisdom. 
So for many of you, you don't, uh, uh, maybe you don't trust that God is a reality and is superior to human wisdom. And you try to explain what, uh, sorry, I flipped that. But many of you, maybe you do trust that God is a reality and superior uh, to human wisdom, which is, yeah, what I expect. And, and, you sh- and you do try to explain what you believe to others. But people look down on you when you talk about God and living for Him. They think, oh, you're a bit simple. Well, if this is you, I'd like to encourage you with these words. And it's the words we read earlier. The words from Paul, the apostle, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, uh, yep, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Uh, that's the reality, isn't it? The reality is that God is saving people through the message of Jesus. And through it, people will be risen from the dead to life forever. What human wisdom so far has allowed us to do that? What scientific discovery uh, for certain will allow us to do this in the future? You know, if we go to Mars, will we live forever? I don't think so. We'll come back, to come back to the question I asked at the beginning... Uh, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered by those after you? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Well, here's a man who left behind a good legacy, but perhaps not for the reasons you might think, and you might even know it is. It's Billy Graham. Uh, So Billy Graham, if you know about him, uh, this is the legacy he left behind. You might think he left behind uh, a legacy because he was impressive and people knew about him and stuff like that. Lots of people came to his gatherings, uh, but that's not what he thinks. He left behind a good legacy because he wholeheartedly trusted God. We see this in what he used to say to people in his sermons. Thousands of people, which, uh, which I've put up on the screen, and it's really small, so I'll read it out to you. It says, he used to say, I'm not going to heaven because I've preached to great crowds or read the Bible many times. I'm going to heaven because just like the thief on the cross who said in his last moment, Lord, remember me. Billy Graham trusted Jesus. That's why he left behind a good legacy. Uh, You want to be remembered as someone who trusts God above excellent human wisdom. Trusting in God is superior to excellent human wisdom. Make sure you help people to know that in the limited time that we have here. About how, to, uh, how about I finish by praying for us? It's a big call to do that. And maybe you've been a bit shaken by uh, the things I've said today or maybe just encouraged. But how about I finish by praying that we would uh, keep trusting God because like King Asa, it's so easy to forget. So uh, let's pray. Uh, dear God, thank you so much that you are so good and you are so patient. Uh, but Lord, I pray that in a situation uh, like King Asa's where, yeah, he's... Uh, facing a situation where he, uh, he could trust you or other things, I pray that in those situations that we would trust you and not on human wisdom and ourselves. Uh, Lord, sorry that we're sinful when we do this, but thank you that you've sent Jesus who allows us to be forgiven even if we do stumble. But Lord, I pray that in this, uh, today as we think about these things, we would consider the legacy we leave behind. Help us to consider the fact the reality of God, that you are real and realer and more important than uh, other things like human wisdom and material things. I pray that we might put our trust in right things 
that we might be able to share in uh, glory uh, with you uh, forever in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray.